Well, we've had a quite an extended break in our series from the Old Testament wisdom literature uh, while we focused on mission in the month of May. And this morning we are back to it and we have three weeks remaining in this series and then we move on to a, to a new series. And this morning's topic is one that um, none of us can avoid because work is part of the human experience and it has been ever since Adam and Eve were placed in the, the Garden of Eden to work and, and tend it and take care of it. If we have a look at uh, Genesis 2.5 tells us that before humans were created there was no one to work the ground and so God formed the man and then the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So work was part of God's created order. It was part of his created design and it was part of what he looked upon and declared to be very good. Now the statistics tell us that the average person will spend 90,000 hours at work and that's in their paid employment. That doesn't include all the other kinds of work that people do for which they are not paid financially. And over that time the average person will work about 13 jobs in their lifetime. I think the number's going up as uh, people move around more these days in their jobs than what they used to. But on average people will hold 13 different jobs. But work, of course, is not just about those things that we do for money. Certainly that's been a, a strong driving factor in most people's lives. All of us need to earn a living and be able to, to feed ourselves and our family and pay the bills. But work doesn't cease just because there is no paycheck involved. Parents who are at home with young children they are working. Grandparents who are looking after young children, they are working. Carers are working. Volunteers who are in our schools uh, doing the reading roster in the canteen, they are working. Um, those who give their time in this place each week, either you know, out maintaining the garden or out in our playgroups or perhaps leading a craft group or a care group, all of them are working people who are packing grocery hampers or taking others to appointments or visiting in aged care facilities or knitting or sewing items uh, to send to people who are in need. All of them are working. And all of this is essential work and much of it is done by retirees. And I say that because Today is not a day for you to switch off if you are retired and think that nothing that I'm about to say applies to you because work has many facets and it is not just the things that we are paid for. It is a very important and essential part of our lives. It consumes so much of our time and so it makes every bit of sense that we should seek to ensure that we are applying biblical wisdom to this important area of our lives. 
Now there are few more basic pleasures than the sense that we derive from our work in having contributed to making the world a better place, even if that is just for one other person on this planet. Now obviously that's easy to imagine for those who are in what we would traditionally consider to be the helping type jobs nurses and teachers and doctors and carers and those type of people. But for many of us, it is our day-to-day -day interactions with people like shopkeepers who go out of their way to help us. Or the taxi driver who opens the door and gives us a smile and helps carry our luggage. Or the barista who gives a friendly greeting each morning as he or she's making the coffee. Or that tradesperson who comes at very short notice and gets us out of a pickle. Or the hairdresser who knows exactly how you like your hair done and goes out of their way to make sure that they do that. These are the people who in day-to-day -day life uh, make life better for each one of us. And most of our jobs, whether they're paid or unpaid, have something of that sense of making life better for at least one other person in some way. And all of this is important. It's important for society and it's important for our own sense of self-worth. Work provides us with many things. It provides us with a sense of dignity and that sense of having contributed to society. It also provides us with mental stimulation and that opportunity for personal growth, which is important. For many people, work provides them with an extensive social network. For many people, their friends are within their workplace. And it also provides for us the ability to use those gifts and skills that God has given us um, in in a workplace or a work situation. There are many, many benefits to work, which I guess is why work was part of God's plan for us. And yet, at any given time, 38% of Australians are unsatisfied with their work. Now that's their paid job. It doesn't count those who are perhaps unsatisfied in other areas of their life. 38% are unsatisfied with their paid work. 30% feel like they must work during their weekends or during their holidays. And I'm not talking here about people who are shift workers and who are paid to work on those days. I'm talking about people who normally work nine to five, but who feel such great pressure that they must spend their holidays or their weekends working. And one in four people in any given year will need to take time off work for stress-related reasons. For better or for worse, work is a significant part of our lives. And so it makes sense that we should approach it wisely. And the Bible has plenty to say about work. God created work. We've read that from... Uh, the first book of the Bible in Genesis. But humanity fundamentally changed work. When the first humans rebelled against God, 
God cursed Adam's work. Weeds and thorns and thistles grew up in the garden and work became hard for Adam. The ground would still bring forth food, but he would have to toil for it and sweat to make the ground produce for him. And we continue to bear something of that legacy in our work today. Much about our work is not easy. For some people, work is just physically hard. They work in jobs that involve hard physical labour. Many must get up early to get to their work or they must stay up late to complete it. But for others, the issue is not so much the physical nature of their work but the mental stress of it. And we all know that there can be multiple stresses to do with our work. For some, there is the financial stress and we have seen that particularly over the past couple of years for people with small businesses. The financial stress of trying to keep that business going um, has been huge and increasing. But for many, the greatest source of stress in their workplace is with their relationships with others. Sin not only fundamentally changed the nature of our work, but it also changed the nature of our relationships with others. They are often a cause of great stress in our workplace, from simple disagreements right through to situations of, of bullying and harassment. So what does the Bible have to say about work and the way that we should approach it? Well, firstly, I think the Bible is very realistic about the need for us to work, to earn a living, to feed our families and, and pay the bills. In fact, we are commanded to provide for our families. 1 Timothy 5.8, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now that doesn't mean to say that on occasion you might lose your job and not be able to provide for your family. Or there might be some, you might be struck down by some accident or illness and in those situations also might not be able to provide financially for your family. That's not what this is talking about. This is saying that in general terms, when you're able to, it is our responsibility to work to provide for our family and, and the extended family and help those in our extended family who are in need. And we also see a great diversity of work within the Bible. It was accepted that work was a part of life. Even the Apostle Paul worked as a tent maker to um, pay his way. And if you think about some of the jobs that uh, you can recall that people had in the scriptures, there is much diversity among them. If you start right back in the Old Testament, there were farmers and shepherds. Uh, there were all sorts of craftspeople who worked on the, the tabernacle. There were embroiderers and silversmiths. Um, there were midwives. Uh, there were cupbearers and soldiers, and then later on tax collectors, doctors, leather workers, millers, potters, carpenters, innkeepers. 
fishermen, scribes, laundrymen, teachers, merchants, um, traders, and the list goes on and on. As it was back then, so it is today. There was a great diversity of what God's people did uh, to earn a living for themselves. Not all are called to, um, to be teachers or, or pastors. Um, God's people are found across all of the, the occupations. And what I want to do today in the time that we have remaining is to survey this Old Testament wisdom literature to try and build up a picture of what one who is wise about work uh, looks like. And then since we're living this side of the cross, I think it's always wise to look back through the lens of the cross and to see has anything changed uh, from that Old Testament time. So first of all, and this is first and foremost, uh, this one sits well above some of the other characteristics that I'll bring you. First of all, the one who is wise has a proper perspective on work. Now, one of the largest blocks of teaching about work in the Bible, or in the Old Testament anyway, is found in the book of Ecclesiastes. And on first glance, it doesn't appear all that helpful to us. Let me read it for you from Ecclesiastes 2, 17 to 20 and 22 to 23. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me and who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labour under the sun. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labour under the sun? All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. And I wonder, have you ever felt like that? Have you ever wondered, why am I getting up at some hideously early time every morning and commuting off to a workplace and working hard all my days and coming back when it's dark? Have you ever wondered, is it all meaningless? And I think this account that we have in Ecclesiastes is effective for two reasons. Firstly, because it is relatable. I think many people at some stage in their working lives feel a little bit like the writer of Ecclesiastes and wonder what is the point of all of this work. But it also works because what we're drawn into here is not so much an argument as it is a contrast because if you accept some of the points that the writer is making there then you have to accept the perspective from which he is writing and the author is at pains to make sure we know what that perspective is i read out six verses and it was mentioned five times i think most of you would have picked it up 
the writer's perspective here is under the sun. Hard work does seem meaningless under the sun. Under the sun means here on earth. From an earthly perspective, hard work can at times seem meaningless. Even if you do well and you amass a great fortune, your fate will be the same as everybody else's. You will leave all of it behind and you have no control over what happens to it after that point. But there is another perspective and the writer wants us to consider that in setting up this contrast. The proper perspective is not under the sun, but above the sun. The heavenly or godly perspective. If we move on to look at a couple of verses later, Ecclesiastes 2, 24 to 25, a man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too, I see, is from the hand of God, for without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? True meaning, true satisfaction and true pleasure in our work will only be found in God. So whatever you do, whether it's paid or it's not paid, we need to make sure that God is a part of it. Make sure that your work is part of a bigger heavenly perspective. Solomon puts it like this. This is a psalm attributed to Solomon, Psalm 127, 1 to 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labour in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. The one who is wise, first and foremost, will have a right perspective about their work. And that perspective will be above the sun, not under it. The one who is wise will also work diligently. And perhaps more than anything else, this is the message that we find about work from within the book of Proverbs. Their employer will find no fault in their attitude towards work because they are diligent in their work. You won't find the wise worker doing the absolute minimum that they can. An employer won't be left wondering what it is that this person does all day because there's not much to show for their time spent in the office. That employer will have no doubt what it is they're doing all day because they will see the fruits of all of their efforts. And their efforts are held in contrast throughout the Proverbs with those of the sluggard. Proverbs 6, 9 to 11. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. And the sluggard is mentioned right through the Proverbs. Proverbs 
13.4, the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, but the soul of the diligent is made fat. Proverbs 18.9, he who is slack in his work is the brother to him who destroys. Proverbs 21.25, the desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labour. So someone who's applying biblical wisdom to their work will be obvious because they will be a diligent worker. They will also be honest and fair in their dealings. All believers are called to work diligently, but our profits are not to come at the expense of others. As believers, we represent Christ on earth. And so we have to earn our living in a way that brings glory to God. Now, if what we're doing is making a cheaper product by purchasing cheaper materials that we know have been produced off the back of slave labour or exploitative labour, even if that's happening somewhere far away, or perhaps it's coming at the expense of God's creation, which we're called to be overseers of, then there's no glory in that to God. It's tempting for us to overwork or underpay staff as a means of keeping costs down and profits up. There's no glory to God when a Christian treats their staff in that way, when they treat them as a resource to be used up rather than a person made in the image of God to be valued and respected. It's tempting for us to keep project costs down using perhaps cheaper timbers that have been illegally harvested from some rainforest somewhere else in the world and to turn a blind eye on to the effects that that's having on species extinction, climate change and the dislocation of tribal people from their tribal lands. There is no glory to God in that. It is tempting also for us to use misleading advertising or to overprice our goods and services. And again, no glory to God in that. Martin Luther is said to have once been asked by a shoemaker to explain how he could bring glory to God in his occupation of, of making shoes. And Martin Luther's response was very simple and I think it's something that we can take with us um, in our own work, whatever it is we do. He said simply, make a good shoe and sell it for a fair price. Whatever it is that you work at, do it well and do it for a fair price. Proverbs 11.1 1 says, The Lord abhors dishonest scales, but accurate weights are his delight. And Proverbs 22.16 says, He who oppresses the poor to make more for himself or who gives to the rich will only come to poverty. The one who is wise can also be depended upon. 
The Proverbs tell us to go to the ant, you sluggard, and consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. There is no chief ant who tells the other ants, pick that up from over there and take it over here. There's no chief ant who tells the ants to stop talking over there and get busy working. Each ant just does what it has to do. They can be depended upon to do what they have to do and they can move pretty amazing um, weights when they have to and when they work together. And that same dependability should be ours if we are applying biblical wisdom. So these then are the defining characteristics of the one who is applying biblical wisdom to their work. They will be known by their diligence, by their honesty, by their fairness, by their dependability. They don't need an employer to look over their back and make sure that they're working. They just will. The one who is wise shows others what Christ is like through their work. But the wisdom literature not only tells us what the one who is wise is like, it tells us what the one who is wise can expect as a result of being wise about their work. And we need to remember back, seems like ages ago now, when we introduced this series and we looked at how to read the Proverbs well, and we talked about them being Proverbs, about them being the result of accumulated experience of the elders. And so the Proverbs tell us on average what you can expect, but they're not promises, so it won't happen all of the time. But what the Proverbs tell us you can expect if you are applying biblical wisdom to this aspect of your life sounds a little bit similar to what they were always talking about in one of my previous workplaces, rewards and recognition. There will be rewards for those who are wise in their work, according to the Proverbs, and there will be recognition most of the time, but not in every case. In terms of rewards, Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Or Proverbs 14.23, In all toil there is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. And I think most of us know that from our experience and our observation of others. Generally, people who are diligent, people who work hard and are honest and fair, they tend to do well. Whereas the person who's lazy and doesn't want to work, well, they tend not to do that well. In terms of recognition, Proverbs 22:29. do you see a man who is skillful in his work? He will stand before kings and not stand before obscure men. Or Proverbs 12:24. the hand of the diligent will rule while the slothful will be put to forced labour. And I think, again, we've all seen that in our own lives and in observing um, the lives of those around us. Those who work harder and are honest and diligent are generally rewarded with promotions and, and that sort of thing. 
generally, but not always, because these are proverbs and not promises. There are people who work very hard and still see little reward, and there are many such people living in nations far away from ours. There are all sorts of reasons for this. Natural disasters, lack of educational opportunity, being trapped in a system with systemic problems. But on the whole, the Bible tells us that those who work hard will be rewarded for it. And they will be recognised for it. Now, this was a message that we talked about a lot at the beginning of this series. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this is part of this proper perspective that we need to have. If we have a perspective that is not under the sun, but that is above the sun, this will help us to keep things in balance. It will prevent us from feeling like the writer of Ecclesiastes, that everything is just meaningless, there's no point to my work. But it also helps us from being so driven by those things that are under the sun, money, positions and, and power, that we become workaholics in our quest to achieve them. The fear of the Lord is the key message from all of the Old Testament wisdom literature. The key message is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it is the primary characteristic of that proper perspective on work. It's the fear of the Lord that prevents diligence and dependability running out of control so that work consumes our entire lives. It is the fear of the Lord that prevents reward and recognition from becoming a driving force that pushes us to work more and harder beyond the point of what is real. It's the fear of the Lord that keeps our work, whatever it may be, paid or unpaid, from turning into an idol that we worship. Work was part of God's very good creation. Humanity fundamentally changed the shape of work. Because of our sin and our rebellion, work became hard. We lost that sense of oneness and harmony with God and his created world. But God, by his grace, came to this earth in the form of a man named Jesus to redeem that curse of sin and to restore us into a right relationship with him. And that should fundamentally change our attitude to work because our work is not just about survival anymore or about the financial benefits that it can bring to us or even the sense of fulfillment and engagement with our community that comes from it. The work that we do, paid or unpaid, is an opportunity to serve Christ and bring honour and glory to him. And so work now has eternal significance. And the Apostle Paul captures something of that in his redefined 
description that he has given to the Colossian church of work. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to carry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So how do you feel about the work that you do? Is it a daily drudgery? Is it something that you feel obliged to do and you do it begrudgingly because you have to? Or maybe you're at the complete other end of the spectrum and you are driven by that sense of achievement and financial gain or the enjoyment of it or the accolades that you get from your work such that work has become something of an idol in your life. Diligence and honesty and dependability, they're not a problem for you, but you know that other areas of your life are suffering as a result. Your family life, your relationships, your contribution to your church life, all of these things suffer when we let our perspective drop down back under the sun. And when we do that, we bring no glory to God. So all of us, whether the work that we do is paid or whether it is unpaid, we all do well from time to time to check that first and most important characteristic of one who is wise, to check that we are keeping things in a right perspective. If things are out of balance, then chances are that our perspective has dropped and increasingly the work that we do is under the sun. And since this wisdom we know begins with this, fear of the Lord, then we know where to put our energies if we feel that things are getting out of balance. Because if we have that right perspective of God, if we hold him with reverence and with awe and have a high view of God, then he will give us the wisdom to have that right perspective on our work. If you're struggling with any aspect of your work, then put your energies into your relationship with God. Check what it is that you feel about God. Where do you hold God? Is he up here or is he out on the side? A little add-on to life. If he's an add-on to life, then you're going to have a problem with applying wisdom uh, in your workplace. Put your energies into the fear of the Lord and he will help you keep that correct perspective. And that doesn't mean that work will suddenly not be difficult anymore or that you'll never have any hassles or stress at work. It doesn't mean that you'll never be treated unfairly or that the tasks you are doing you'll never find mundane. 
while we live in that tension of being a redeemed people of God who reside in a fallen world, those problems and tensions are always going to exist. But ultimately, whatever you do, it is Christ the Lord that you are serving and your reward comes from him. And you'll only truly appreciate that when you have lifted your focus up above the sun. Let's pray. Father, we need your perspective in so many aspects of our lives, but particularly in this area that so dominates our lives, our work. So many of us struggle with it in different ways. Some of us just find the daily grind so difficult and others of us have allowed it to consume so much of our lives. Our whole lives and even our very identity becomes what we do, whether we are staying at home, looking after children and are giving our entire energy over to them or whether we are in some high-flying corporate executive position and our whole energy ends up being focused there. Unpaid work and paid work, Lord, if we are not careful, both can leave little room for you in our lives and they drag our perspective back down under the sun. Help us, Lord, to have your perspective. We want to know you and to love you and to serve you and to honour you with all of our lives. Amen.